We are kindly sponsored by Sliderstock. They are a bespoke auction and e-commerce platform. So if you guys need them, hit them up at www.sliderstock.com. Today we've got Andrew Miller. He is a general practice vet and he's here to answer all sorts of questions. Um, so let's start with wh- why Why did you want to become a vet? What What enticed you? Okay, hi Harriet. Um, so um, yeah, I've been a, been a vet for 10 years and it's always something that I wanted to do. And I get asked quite a lot why I wanted to become a vet. And when I try and sort of pinpoint an exact reason, it's really, really difficult to answer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, I guess I've always grown up with, with pets, like dogs and cats and had sort of um, guinea pigs and hamsters and rabbits and things like that uh, when I was a child. Um, and then at school, I liked all the sciences, um, and um, and I guess becoming a vet sort of um, sort of combines science and the love of pets. Yeah, sort of a career really, and it's not really. I didn't really think of doing anything else, so so I just sort of ended up as a as a vet really. And I, it was that all the way through. No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. no other options. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, so yeah. Now I, I love being a vet, and I love the job. Um, and I wouldn't change it. Um, so, um, so yeah, that's where I am, really. Brilliant. Well, you get inundated with kind of advice from me on on the squad um, all hours. But um, yeah. you you obviously have seen a lot of dachshunds in in your time as a vet as well, haven't you? I presume. Yeah. So it's um, so so obviously the breed is a you know is a is a. Is a Fairly, as breeds go, fairly common breed that we see. Um, it's not the, the most common breed that we would see, but we, you know, we ha- we certainly have a lot of dachshunds on on the books, um, and um, and particularly uh, sort of in the recent years as well, they're becoming more and more popular. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot more of them, and um, they make great great dogs and great pets. So um, they do. <laughs> um, so we obviously most people are aware that when they buy a dachshund, in fact, any breeds that each breed kind of comes with its traits and characteristics, but also it's kind of the ailments and things that they're more susceptible to. Um, and as we well know with two of ours, um, IVDD is one of those. Um, but then again, some people don't know what that is. So so as a vet, how would you describe that to Daxon donors? Yeah, so I guess um, I guess like you say, with any breed, there's always um, diseases and illnesses that uh, some breeds are more predisposed to than others. And um, I've got a, an 18 month old puppy, and when we were deciding what breed to go for, um, uh, I was criticised because every sort of breed suggestion, I was saying, "Oh, well, we can't do this because of this problem and this problem." And then you think about it, and you think, "Well, actually, um, across the board on all the different breeds that yeah. are out there, you know, if you've been super critical, then you can pick out different diseases and illnesses that, that all breeds get." So, yeah, absolutely. You're quite right. I think before you choose a certain breed, you need to do your research. 
and um, like you say, with the Daxies, the um, the intervertebral disc disease is is um, is, uh, is is one of those things that are really up there, and you've got to be aware of because it is quite relatively quite common in in the, in the breed. You know, um, yeah. I think when I was doing a little bit of, um, of research just before coming on uh, on here. You know, you can say up to sort of twenty percent of Daxies can can have it to some degree throughout the lifetime. So it is something we see fairly commonly in the breed, um, and it can be quite uh, severe and cause some quite life limiting um, uh, symptoms. Really, yeah, definitely costly to treat. So um, before you get the breed, you need to know what it is. Um, and, uh, and and sort of manage um, any sort of risk factors as best as possible, really. Absolutely, because I know uh, with both of ours, Missy and Duke had it, and um, fortunately we caught it in time and they had surgery um, and they haven't had any kind of lasting symptoms or issues as in a relation to that, but, but it is blooming expensive. So yeah. I guess something to consider is your insurance when that something like that happens and make sure it's going to cover you. So, so yeah, so, so the, the actual disease process, just for anyone that, that doesn't know about it, is the, 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 what we call the um, intervertebral disc um, is the cushioning between all the vertebrae of the spine. So obviously we recognise that Daxies have a long back, a long spine, um, yeah. and a lot of forces um, go through that spine um, as they're living their day-to-day -day life, going out on the walks, jumping up and so forth. And they're prone to um, getting a disc rupture. So the, the intervertebral disc bulges or sometimes ruptures, um, and that can cause compression of the spinal cord, which can lead to neurological problems. So sort of paralysis of the of the hind limbs and and leads, and in the worst case scenario, sort of you know, um, incontinence and things like that, you see. Um, so there's there's different levels of it and there's yeah some, different severities yeah. yeah but one of the treatments for the more severe cases is a surgery as you said Harriet and and mm. it can be thousands of pounds so you've got to um, you've got to make sure you've got adequate insurance cover um, or or the financial ability to be able to treat it yeah uh, if it did happen definitely um, and how do you, how would you recommend for people to kind of be be aware of this and and how enough tips on how to avoid it is it hereditary or is it to do with your environment is is there things that we can do to yeah so so um part of them uh, uh breeding now dog breeding now is all about trying to um screen breeding dogs for certain diseases and up until now there's no that I'm aware of in Daxies, there's no screening test that you can do for this disease, although they do suspect it is hereditary and linked yeah. to certain familial sort of genes, really, that are passed down from, from mm. um, to, to, to litter. Um, so I think it might be worth, when you're looking for Daxie, to, um, to see whether or not there's been any occurrence of it in the family uh, history, um and 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 just um and seeing how potentially seeing how likely it is to to happen to the litter um but also um it's sort of just managing sort of the, uh, the risk factors so um sort of jumping up running up a load of stairs um excessive exercise um would would potentially put some abnormal strains through the back that may yeah. 
may lead to sort of a, a, an increased risk. You want to make sure that the um, that the dog's really healthy, so you're feeding a, a really good nutrition, so that they've got strong bone development um, and they're a healthy body weight, so they're not carrying excess weight. Um, yeah, you can put abnormal forces through the back, um, and just sort of uh, making sure that they're they're living a healthy lifestyle all goes to sort of reducing the risk, really. Yeah, definitely, because we've got ramps and all sorts and stair gates and everything to kind of help with it. Um, and they don't always use it, but <laughs> it's there and it's, it's there. trying. So. And they're sort of se sensible strategies, really, aren't they? Because, again, it's right. sort of reducing the, 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 you know, the, the need to jump up and things like that. Definitely, yeah. Um, so another problem that we found with our Daxies is teeth. Teeth. You must see this all the time in loads of different breeds, yeah. but we have massive issues. Um, and I have heard that it's because Dachshunds have long jaws, so they generally only use kind of parts of the teeth, if that makes sense. Um, but but what's what what's your kind of view on it? Yeah, so dental disease, it does seem to be more prone in, in some breeds than others, again, and Daxies aren't alone in that. Um, but it does affect a lot more, a lot more of the dog population than than a lot of people think, and I and I think part of it is that um, most owners probably don't look in their dog's mouths as much as 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 potentially they should. Should yeah yeah and and you know dogs don't particularly like it unless they're used to it and and you know and quite sort of understandably people don't really think to do it either so um i think it's it's, it's key from a from a, a, a sort of a, a stage to get them used to um having their mouths looked at and and uh, examined by the owner at home but yeah uh, one of the big things that we recommend for preventing dental disease is actually brushing the teeth yeah I don't know, Harriet, have you brushed your dog's teeth? I do, yeah. I brush them regularly, not that they like it. Yeah, um, yeah. And to be honest, when they're tiny, tiny, we get them used, like you've been saying, we do teeth, ears. We yeah. practice, like, looking in and we say teeth and ears and yeah. hopefully in the hope that they'll become more comfortable with it. But we brush them, we give them really chewy chews. Yes, yeah. Which we hope will will help them but it's just a constant battle um, yeah, absolutely. and it's and it's it's natural you know it's like um if we didn't brush our teeth we would get dental disease and and and, and dental disease stems from the food we eat so it's the bacteria so the food particles will get stuck on the teeth um bacteria then grows uh, forms plaque which then sort of infects the gums and then you get gum disease yeah and then as it progresses it leads to more severe dental disease which can inevitably end up with a wobbly tooth than those that need to come out you see so um it's like exactly the same as those we do as vets recommend brushing um every at least every other day which i must admit i'll hold my hands up and do that regularly no i don't do it that regularly <laughs> But um, but that's what we recommend. And then exactly as you say, there's there's, there's certain types of um, uh, dental uh, biscuits or chews that can help reduce the plaque buildup. But I must say, it's it's not as good as brushing. Not as efficient, yeah. Efficient, and then you can get water additives and things like that as well. But again, these aren't as efficient as. That's brushing. good. Yeah, we also use um yeah some 
it, it, I think it's Plakoff that we put in their food and whether that makes a difference, yeah. who knows, but it, it all part of this, you know, being aware of it and trying to help it. Yeah, and I think um, I think if, if an owner's worried about dental disease in their dog, most practices will do a, a dental check consultation, whether that be with the nurse or the vet, um, and they can discuss all the all the treatment options and preventative care that's needed. That's really good to know. Um, now, as well, Daxies often suffer with um, kind of allergies and sensitivities. Um, why do you think that they're kind of more, I know we discussed that breeds have their kind of diseases and illnesses that they're predisposed to, but but in particular, I come across loads with, with allergies. Why is this? Yeah, it's a good, it's, it's a good question. So allergies are, um, it's, it's basically an allergy is like a, an overreaction of the immune system to something that the dog comes into contact with. So it's not necessarily um, a, a, a thing causing the allergy. It's actually the dog's own immune system. Right. So it has to be um, uh, related to the dog. Now, chances are it probably is genetic. So um, as, as with most, most things. Um, but basically, yeah, we do see it quite a lot in this, in this, in this breed. Um, and um, it can be really a really frustrating condition because mm. you can be allergic to a lot of different things. Um, and unless you stumble across what they're allergic to and manage it effectively, then it can be quite tricky to keep on top of things. Definitely. Well, we know that Ivy, we've kind of figured it out that she is maybe not allergic, but doesn't it doesn't agree with her, is chicken. But that was quite easy for us because... On, we 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 feed her different flavors of food, yeah. and on the day she had chicken, she was really kind of scratching at her skin, and it was really that obvious. Yeah. Um, but you know, the hardest thing is to avoid chicken everywhere else in her diet. Her food is the easy bit. Yeah. But you know, when you've got treats and, and yeah, yeah. bits and bobs, and and if other people give her treats, then it's quite it's quite hard to manage, isn't it? But and we were like I said, we were lucky in the fact that it was quite obvious to us what she was what was bothering her. Yeah. Um, but I can imagine it's just really relentless for some people. Yeah, and it's 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 tricky. So so there's there's there are common allergies that we see. So the, the so if you if your dog uh, if you suspected your dog having allergies, you'll obviously notice things like the itching and the skin lesion lesion. So you might hear like, I'll see, sorry, um, hair loss or scratching in certain places or recurring ear infections or them scooting and things like that, licking the paws. There's yeah. times you would see. And then what the vet would be doing then is is trying to rule out any cause, any other causes of itching. So things like parasites, so fleas and what yeah. fleas and mites. Um, they'd be looking for any infection of the skin, which might be causing an itch. And if they've ruled out both of those, then it's likely that there'll be in sort of an allergy. That's related. Yeah. You're quite right. Food allergies are something that we do see, um, as well as allergies to things like fleas or environmental allergens, so things like grasses and trees. Grass, yeah, I've heard of that a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they can be quite frustrating. Yeah. Um, and if you were, we've come across some 
of our kind of friends that have had allergy tests is that a good option to go kind of route to go down yeah so allergy testing is something that we would do as long as we've ruled out other causes of itching yeah yeah so we we rule out the most common causes initially and then there's two forms of allergy testing um, so so basically um at the moment most vets will do a blood blood test to right. look for flea allergies and environmental allergies. So that's like your mites, molds, um, pollens, grasses, trees, that sort of thing. Okay. But the blood test for food allergies isn't quite as effective. So yeah, so, so sometimes we would use a blood sample to look at food allergies to try and select a diet for what we call a diet trial. And the diet okay. is the second test that we would do to, to help us diagnose whether or not the dog has a food allergy. So you basically yeah. have a blood test and then you've got your diet trial. That's really good to know because I think that'll help a lot of people because it's hard to know where to turn with it, isn't it? You know, you kind of do so much by yourself, but it, it's quite easy to get a bit frustrated and yeah, absolutely. feel like a bit of a loss. Um <laughs> On, just, sorry. Sorry, just quickly, just on, on that last thing, allergies, because it's, um, it's, it's a problem with the dog's immune system, unless you can avoid what they're allergic to completely, it's always something that you're going to have to manage. So there are some useful medications that the vets can prescribe to try and reduce the itching. Oh, and that's really good to know. So that you can manage it, Absolutely. you know, for example, if it's grass, which is clearly you can't always avoid. Absolutely. Really good to know. Okay, Brill. Um so just on to puppies, really, because that's such a hot topic at the moment. You've seen them everywhere. Um, it, we've had loads of new followers from loads of gorgeous puppies, which is lovely. Um, but what would you say are is the essential kind of process of when somebody picks their puppy up or even before that, what to look out for? And then what's the process once they're home with, in their forever home? Yeah, so so I think 2020 is going to be remembered for a lot of things, but one of those things is going to be puppies because there seem to be loads of puppies at the moment. Everywhere. It's like a puppy boom. <laughs> exactly, absolutely. So, yeah, so puppies are... Um, so obviously there's a lot, again, as we were talking earlier, we, we, before you get a dog, you need to do your research. Um, and uh, when we're looking at a puppy, um, we want to make sure that it's been bred uh, well and ethically um, uh, certainly some people um, will try and take advantage of the puppy boom so we want to make sure when you when you um, go into view a puppy um, that you you do the simple things like making sure that you see the, the mum um, yeah. and and going to see uh, her and making sure that you know the sort of background there's a really good website that gives all the information that people need to know about when before they select a puppy, which is called the puppy contract. I don't know if you've... Have you I've heard? never come across this. No, I'll have to have a look. No, it's really good. It's useful. So it's useful for um, prospective owners of a puppy and also prospective breeders as well. Um, oh, brilliant. Really uh, good information on there. Oh, um, One of the things that we would think about making sure always happens, which is important for socialization, is that you don't pick them up before eight weeks of age, um, which is a, a good thing to know. Um, and then when you do get your new puppy, is probably to register at a vet and get a, a health check uh, within the first couple of weeks of the, uh, of, of the arrival. Definitely, yeah. Um, and just another quick thing as well, when, um, when I've been speaking to people looking for Daxi puppies, um, it's really important that 
because each breed as well has um, health tests, don't they? Yeah. That are carried out on the parents to ensure that there's no genetic diseases that will come out in the litter. Um, so for Dachshunds, we have a PRA test, which is all to do with their eyes. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there are others for other breeds, um, but that's also something really useful to look out for. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And don't forget, it's the law now as well that all puppies should be microchipped before yeah. um, before they leave the breeder. Definitely. Um, so once they have found the perfect puppy, um, obviously you've just said get them booked in for a health check with their vet, which is so important. Um, we've had loads of awful stories recently. I won't kind of go into detail, but just really either scams or yeah, exactly. um really really poorly puppies and it, it's really sad um but definitely vet check is your first port of call really isn't it yeah absolutely because you want to know that your puppy that you've got um is healthy and if it's not you want to know how to make sure that they get healthy quickly um, and also um, it's important from an insurance point of view as well. So um, if, uh, if you take out pet insurance for your dog, um, you want to be able to say, well, um, at the time we took out the insurance, this puppy was healthy. And so if any diseases were to come about after you took out the insurance policy, you know that it's, um, it's occurred after that date and it will be covered. That's really good. A good point. Yeah. Um, and obviously, when you get your puppy home for the first time, you're not to put it on the floor, subject to it having the first injection, are you? And you've got to have the second lot of injections to then be able to go and enjoy the outdoors with it. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the most crucial things for, for puppies and when, what the reason why we see them so regularly is getting them vaccinated. Um, there's a specific disease um, as well as others that we vaccinate for, which is really important as puppies, which is something called parvovirus, which causes a really nasty vomiting and diarrhea um, uh, illness and, and can be in some cases sort of life-threatening really. Oh, that's awful. Really, really nasty. So we do recommend that they get their vaccinations. Um, you're right that until, they, until after their second vaccination, they're not fully covered. And something like parvovirus can live in the environment uh, for quite a long time. So if, if you were to walk your unvaccinated puppy out in the street and a dog a few days ago had been to the toilet on the street, the, the owner had picked it up as, 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 it, as they should have done, um, but some parvovirus particles are still on the pavement, they can potentially pick that up and get infected. So Wow. I didn't actually quite know how I, I obviously stick to it and follow the vet's guidance, but, but it's that prominent in the environment that that's how easily they can contract yeah, it yeah, absolutely and in certain areas of the country it um it is really prevalent so, so some practices across the country in certain areas will see it a lot more than others okay um, but what you don't want to do is you don't want your puppy to get some of these diseases um you want to try and prevent them getting them because it's yes. a lot better for them um, and so for the sake of a few weeks um, at the start of your your new puppy's life with you, um, it's really best to be sort of uh, safety first and, and wait until their second vaccine before you then start taking them out. Brilliant. Um, and in terms of fleeing and worming, what's the process with that? Just as a bit more of a background to 
new puppy yeah. owners. So, um, so, so worming's important uh, for puppies. Uh, the main reason being that roundworm in the adult dog um, is is sort of stimulated to reproduce when the when the bitch is pregnant. So right, okay. we do actually assume that a lot of the puppies um, will carry roundworm, which is why um, breeders and also us as vets are so uh, sort of uh, inclined to get your puppy wormed um, it, uh, straight away, just to make sure they don't carry that roundworm. Um, so I presume the when you worm the puppy, it will kind of get rid of the worms. So that's why you have to do keep doing it regularly, is it? Yeah, that's right. So, um, so you, um, so when you worm them, uh, it depends on what which wormer you use and the protocol and things like that. But effectively, all the worms, all the adult worms, are killed, um, and uh, and then. But what what tends to happen is that dogs, as they tend to sniff uh, each other and out in the environment and uh, pick up things and what have you, they tend to reinfect themselves at, 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 at certain points. So, again, working working with you with your vet uh, is just sort of uh, creating a, a, a regular worming protocol that's suitable for your dog in the environment that it lives. Perfect. Um, so we actually use natural fleeing and worming. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but we, and we know a lot of other people that do, but, but what's, what's your thoughts? So we actually use um, a powder for um, fleas and ticks and a liquid for worms and then we do a worm count every three months to just check that there isn't any worms and if there was then we would come to our go to our vet and get a kind of a prescription yeah yeah um but what's your thoughts on that yeah so that's a it's a it's a good question so so i would say as vets um the products that we use tend to be veterinary license the license for veterinary use so the, the way a, a product um, gets a license is they have to show through trials that they are effective to a, a high level. So the reason why we would use the products that we do is because we 100% know that they are effective to a good level so that we can confidently say to the owner that we're going to treat for roundworm or tapeworm or lungworm. And, and it will definitely work. We know that this will work, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so that is um, uh, through my sort of veterinary background is what I would tend to recommend. What you would recommend, yeah. Um, so we've had quite a few questions as well from um, the public. Um, so one of those being about nail trimming. Now, I think Daxon seemed to really struggle with this as well. Um, and I don't know whether it's their confirmation or whether it's, something to do with the growth of the nails I've got no idea you you're probably much more knowledge, knowledgeable on that but um we actually have to get ours trimmed quite a lot um yeah. even though they do loads of walking um but what's the best way is it is that to to keep the nails nice and short yeah it's a good question I mean some dogs you, you're quite right I, I, I don't it might be confirmation or just the way the nail grows or how quickly it grows some dogs do seem to need them trimming more often um, and, it, and it's in, it goes back to when we were talking about making sure that dogs are used to being examined and touched and things like that it's really important that um that, that they're used to you touching their paws so that if they did develop a problem with their nails you know you can trim them fairly easily um 
because we see a lot of dogs that don't like the nails being trimmed. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know whether it is sort of, um, I, I struggle to, to see an obvious reason as to why some dogs need it more than others. But um, we, we often say sort of walking on hard ground if they're in wear should keep yeah. the nails short. Um, but whether, you know, whether it does for all dogs is, is tricky and sometimes we just got to, keep on top of it and and when would you suggest that the right time to to trim their nails um so, yeah so the so the nails so so if you look at a paw when you when the dog stood on all four legs and you're looking at a paw the nails uh obviously not the dew claw but the nails on the actual paw itself should just be touching the floor or if not just slightly above so if they're curled under and um or touching or, or sort of splaying out slightly then mm. that'd be when they're too long and obviously if they curl around particularly the dew claw which um isn't in wear at all if they grow and curl around they can actually like impinge and grow into the skin which is yeah. really painful so um yeah i think when you're looking at a paw from the side if they're just touching the, 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 paw, uh, the floor sorry then that's the perfect length any longer than that then you need to trim them Brilliant, great advice. Um, and so our next question um, is about raw feeding. Um, we've we discussed it a bit with um, Michaela from Posh Paws in our last podcast, um, but it's always good to get a kind of wide variety of opinion. Um, so, what's what's your kind of thoughts on on raw feeding? Yeah, so raw is um, raw feeding's becoming more and more popular, and I'm, I find myself sort of talking about it a lot more in consultations than when I first graduated. Um, and I must say, as a as a generalised veterinary uh, viewpoint, um, we do have some concerns with it, um, and there's a few reasons for that. So um, I think one of the one of the 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 first points that vets are a little bit concerned about is the public health aspect of things. So right. just making sure that, um, you know, we're preparing the raw food away from areas in the kitchen where we would uh, prepare. Eat our food. Yeah. Um, you know, if sort of young children and things like that were to come into contact with it, you know, we, we need to just be careful over those sorts of things because it, it can potentially carry the bacteria that lead to food poisoning so campylobacter salmonella those sorts of things like raw you know we'd be careful when preparing raw meat wouldn't we so exactly yeah it's the same principles that would apply one of the um one of the other issues that we would say is that um specifically in relation to a growing dog so growing dogs, puppies, are, are traditionally fed a puppy diet. So a diet that's suitable and balanced for their life stage, so as a, as a puppy. And the reason being is that their bones are growing at such a, an extent that they need a slightly different um, nutritional balance in relation to sort of calcium and yeah. to, to, to maintain healthy bone growth. And it is quite tricky to get that balance in the uh, 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 raw food. Okay. And so a lot of the commercial raw foods will add 
supplements in there that the puppies need yeah so i must admit in the consultation i say look i understand that some people want to feed raw food ideally i would have i would recommend avoiding it in the puppy year and waiting if they they really wanted to feed it and Mm -hmm. i'd make sure that they understood the aspects of hygiene in the house as well um and i guess another you kind of touched on it there but one of the points that you've made is is really to make sure that your raw food isn't just raw meat on its own it's got to be a complete diet um, and make sure it does meet your dog's nutritional needs absolutely because it's um yeah i mean if you just if you just fed raw chicken breast you know you, you it's not going to get the dog's not going to get everything it needs exactly you're not feeding that balance and um, with the greatest will in the world, um, if someone were to try and create their own diet at home, there's no way that they can provide all the nutrients. You know, it would be um, potluck if they did, essentially, even even if they read up a lot. Um, yeah. So I would, if you if you're really set on it, I would definitely do um, feed a, a commercial diet that is balanced. Um, but, um, but yeah, just be really careful. And, and again, don't be afraid to like chat through with your vet about it. Um, I would like to think that most vets are understanding in the sense that it is quite, for some reason, it is quite an emotive issue. You know, yeah, lot, we found uh, that for sure. Yeah, strong opinions on both sides. And I think um, mm. I would hope that most vets are um, approachable enough to have this discussion with. Absolutely. Uh, and and it, we were the same with our vet. We made sure, you know, a, they were aware of it because it poses other, you know, it's important that they know. Um, yeah. But B, just have an open conversation with them. You know, no vet should be so opinionated that they scare you about it. But exactly. at the same time, they you've spoken to them for their advice. So it, they should, it should be a bit of a, it's, might be good because of this but it might be bad because of that kind of thing so yeah yeah, absolutely and I think if you as the owner understand all the all the uh, topics around it and then you can make an informed choice then from there can't you absolutely yeah um a another question um we had was uh about socialization now I know we spoke about this with um Kim at Pooches Galore um but vets should be kind of up to date on this and advising new owners about socialization and and the importance of it um especially at the moment because of lockdowns and social distancing and things like that but how important is socialization when it comes to um puppies and yeah absolutely you've sort of nailed it this year is really tricky so we've sort of coincided with a puppy boom and then also the inability to go and meet other people and mix with other dogs and things like that um, and it's creating a bit of a, a difficult situation for a certain dog owner so I saw a dog the other day um, and you know it, it just hadn't seen anyone really you know mm-hmm. and it, it was just absolutely scared out of its wits in the vet um, and we were vaccinating it and it was just parking and, and really beautiful and you just thought oh no I think in any other year it's probably it would have been fine yeah mm. and it's really crucial that at um and this is the, the, the point as well after vaccinations that the 12 to 18 weeks that's their socialization period that's where they pick up 
all the information and experiences that they come into um, the quickest. And so that's where they'll learn a lot of their behaviours. The idea is that we get them vaccinated as soon as soon enough to give them the protective cover for the diseases, but quickly enough that we can um, get them out and socialise as, as well as we as well as we can. Um, so it's a really important concept, and it's something that the new puppy owners at the moment during the sort of lockdown period need to think carefully about, trying to get them used to those experiences that they're going to Definitely. be in as adult dogs. Yeah, brilliant. Um, bit of a gross one next, but <laughs> we've also um, kind of come across it with our eldest, Missy. Um, but anal glands. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Not a nice I think hers, hers has just come become kind of an issue recently maybe with her old age maybe um but have you got any tips for kind of managing it at home kind of in between if you do need to go to the vets yeah so i think um so anal glands are the scent glands just inside the bum um and it's the reason every time we go to the toilet it's creeped like a liquid from the glands on onto the feces and that's where the the, the smell comes from um and that's why they s smell each other's bums, really. Um, but occasionally, if they're not emptying properly, then they can become blocked and sore, and sometimes becoming um, <laughs> yeah, sometimes becoming infected. You see, and so um, we need to express them and um, and and treat any infection that might be there. So the first thing to say is that if you notice any scooting, so rubbing the bum across the floor or excess sort of licking around that area, if it's this first time you've seen it, I think you need to go and see the vet and get it. Yeah. Make sure there's no issues. Is yeah. could be that they're kind of similar symptoms to worms aren't they if i'm not mistaken yeah so sometimes worms can cause an, sort of an itchy bum Scooting and yeah absolutely yeah and so um and so we would we would check them out um and then really and most dogs that don't need them expressing on a, on a regular basis some dogs depending on how they're positioned at the back end will need them expressing on a fairly regular all the time basis. yeah yeah yeah, and, um, and 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 quite often um, some dogs are, are more prone to anal gland issues if they have underlying allergies or skin disease and things. Oh, like okay. That. So um, it can be just one symptom of a of a, a, a underlying disease. So yeah, it's certainly something I wouldn't necessarily recommend owners expressing them themselves. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which some people do, unless they've been. Uh, you know, sort of um, uh, been to the vets um, and the vets sort of shown them how I did them on, yeah. Um, but is there anything you can do if if your dog does suffer with it? Is there anything you can do kind of to maybe minimise the yeah. troubles that they have? Or The best way we try and manage it is to try and increase the fibre in their diet, which okay. as a consequence will firm up their poos and hopefully allow them to express the glands when they go to the toilet. Naturally. Okay, cool. Um, so just kind of look for a, a good source of fibre. Um, yeah. And, you, and can then... get, you get supplements. Um, some people add Weetabix to their diet, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fab. Um, and one last question. Um, sure. Snow, ice, salt. Ah, it's, okay. It's obviously 
quite relevant at the moment because there's been a bit of snow and there's ice on the floor but then with that comes salt on the floor can you explain the kind of risks to your dogs from rock salt on on the pavements and things so so if they so if we're walking our dogs through rock salt which we do at the this time of year quite regularly um then it it, and, and then you don't wipe down the paws after the walk um, it can cause sores on the pads and on the skin surrounding the paw, just with the um, sort of the salt sort of reacting to the yeah. pads, really. Um, so, so we would always recommend at this this time of year, just sort of rinsing down the paws at the very least and just wiping them away. Um, okay. And particularly those dogs that have sort of excess hair between the toes, you know, making sure that there's not nothing stuck in, in stuck the in there. Yeah. And just giving it a good bathe, and um, and if they are consistently getting something stuck in there it might be worth just trimming the hairs a little bit just to prevent that it's a bit like in the summertime you know when it's a really hot day and, and then hot pavements you know, yes you've got to be cautious of that yeah it you know the heat of the pavements can really damage their pores we're, we're all aware of that um but does the ice do anything you know if it's super super cold is there it or is that not really a risk in this country is it not cold enough or um it's not something i've come across really um i've seen burnt pads um, yeah hot day um sometimes you see sort of um cuts and abrasions on the pads but just from the ice just and from the ice but it's the rock salt that is the big factor really it's the big factor okay fab um really helpful um i again i, was, I say this every time i do a podcast but i do learn something new every time and you know, if anyone can take a few bits from it, um, then brilliant. Um, so your top tips from the podcast is we discussed IVDD, obviously about minimising the risk and um, kind of what to expect if it does happen. Um, we talked about um, uh, allergies, sensitivities and things, Um and and puppies everywhere um but if you know and if anyone does have any concerns then the best thing to do is really speak to their vet isn't it um don't be afraid even if it's a phone consultation i guess that's the best route to go down yeah and i think it's um vets are really busy at the moment people might have realized but i think um yeah i would really really utilize them they will get back to you eventually and um, they're a good source of help i would hope Definitely. Full of knowledge, aren't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but no, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on, Andy. It's invaluable. And hopefully if people have learned something, like I said, then it's it's an absolute bonus, isn't it? But thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.